I want to start by you talking about the definition that we've been giving for next steps. We talk about the fact that it is a faith decision followed by an action. So it's a faith decision followed by action or activity. So, for example, as we go through this series, thinking something like, I think my next step is to work on my temper. Now, that's good, but that's not really a next step according to the way we're, we're, we're defining it. A next step would be, I need to work on my temper, so I'm going to stop saying bad words when I get mad, right? <laughs> that would be the action required. Or I'm going to memorize scripture that tells me how to handle my temper. So that would be the next step. So it would be a faith decision followed by an action. We all know we need to work on something, but that's not necessarily a step, right? I need to lose some weight. Well, the next step might be, according to our definition, go on a diet. Like that's the action or actually be a lack of action. Quit eating donuts would be what I would need to stop doing. So as we talk about this next steps, we want to kind of stay away from just the vague fogginess of, uh, you know, I'm going to try harder at this, but, but looking for some opportunities to actually take steps of faith that are action steps. And maybe that's internal. Maybe it's I need to forgive somebody, and that's a, that can be an internal action as well. Does that make sense, what we're talking about as, as we go through this? We want to keep looking for taking actual steps of faith that are action-based, even if it's internal. So the first week we talked about the fact that our next steps are important. Every journey begins with a step. Every journey continues with a step. And we talked about Paul. You remember we kind of covered Paul's spiritual life where he was born. So his journey started, his spiritual journey started. What it looked like for him as he progressed. And, and what it looked like for him as he prepared to exit this world. And how he talked about basically arriving at his destination. So our next steps are important. They're an important part of our journey. And then last week, we talked about taking next, step as, next steps as a disciple. Does anybody remember what disciple we talked about? Peter. Yeah, we talked about Peter. And, and as we went through that, we said, really, there's two big things we need to be willing to do to take a next step as, as a disciple. And one is to be willing to take a step of faith. And the other is that we need to surrender. You remember we talked about those things and talked about Peter going out and putting out a little ways from shore and then a long ways from shore and then having the great catch and going, I'm forsaking everything and I'm following Christ. So that's a little bit about what we've been talking about in the future. Now today we're going to be talking about choosing our next step. And so as we talk about choosing our next step, we're going to talk about how do we make sure we're choosing a right next step. How do we make sure that the next step we're taking are going to keep us on track or on the right path. And we all have, let me just say this. I've heard a few people tell me that they've already, like they've got clarity on what their next thing they need to do is. And that's praise God. Some I think are maybe just going like, uh, I kind of have an idea. I'm hoping it's not this, but I think that this is maybe what it might need to be. And there's some are like, I really uh, genuinely 
have no idea what my next step is. Well, the good news is even if you don't know what your next big step is supposed to be, that God has a bunch of little steps that we can take every day that will keep us on the right track. So don't be discouraged if you're like, why isn't God speaking to me? Well, God has spoken to us, and that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today is those steps that we take every day and that will keep us on the right track, and how do we choose those steps? We all take lots of little steps every day, right? We make a choice, and we follow it up with action. You all took a step to get here this morning. You made a choice at some point. You're here, so you made a choice at some point to be here this morning. You made that decision. But then you had to follow it up with an action, right? You couldn't just sit on the couch and, yep, I'm going to church, yep going to church. You got up, you got in the shower, you got your hair fixed. Most of you got your hair fixed. There's a few that I'm wondering about, uh, whatever it is, but uh, you got yourself ready, you got yourself here, right? And there are others who made a decision not to come to church, and that, that's, we're not down on those people, but it's clear. They made a decision but then whatever their actions were, were the kind of the steps, the, the activity, you know, whether it was uh, work on a project or, you know, uh, they had to get to the airport or whatever it would end up being. Their actions followed that up. We have tons of those every single day. Decisions followed up by the actions that we take, don't we? What makes those decisions. What makes a decision to go to church or not go to church? Help a neighbor, not help a neighbor. Work on your temper or not work on your temper. What makes those decisions? We need some kind of guide. And the reality is that God does give us a guide. So take our next steps in the right direction. We need to use God's guides. We're going to talk about three of the guides that he's given us Today, we're going to talk about three of those. And the first one is that we need to walk according to God's Word. But before we dive into that, I want to pray one more time, okay? Father, we come before you and we want to say thank you for your Word. We want to say thank you for the fact that we can walk in your ways. Thank you that you give us free will to make choices about what we believe and that we have the free will to obey or disobey. Thank you that you love us no matter what. We don't deserve that, but thank you. Father, we do want to be people that walk in your ways, that please you, and that stay on the right path. I pray that you would use these scriptures that we're going to go over and these things we're going to talk about to help us to, to see that clearly, what it looks like in our everyday lives. Father, what it looks like to walk with you uh, all the days of the week. And we pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. So first is walking according to God's Word. And uh, there's double-sided notes. I don't know how much we're going to get through today. I I really was feeling ambitious. I said, we're going to have a short message and then start putting the notes together. I'm like, this might be a two-week or so. This might get, uh, I'm going to try not to get in my rush mode, which you guys know can happen sometimes. But God's Word is a guide that we can trust to keep us on the right path. Most of you are are familiar with the Scripture. Your Word is a lamp to my feet 
and a light to my path. When do you need a lamp or a light or a flashlight? When it's dark. And isn't our world, isn't our society filled with darkness and confusion? And how does a person know what's right and what's wrong? How does a person know what decision to make? We're confused in our society. We're confused about gender. In in our society, we're, we're confused about marriage. In our society, we're confused about comfort. And we're just a, a confused. And so we need some kind of God. We're confused about God in general. Who God, God is. Is he somebody up there who wants to just smash me and squash me like a grape between his fingers? Or is he one who loves me and cares about me? And the, the way that the, the clouds clear or that light is given is through his word. And so it does give us a guide to take our daily steps to make our decisions. God's word is a light for us. It gives us, it gives us insight into how to spend our money. We had a whole seminar and, and we could have had three times, we could have spent three times the amount of time that we spent on how to use money God's way or what God thinks about money. Relationships, right? I mean, we could just continue to go. We could talk about a temptation, Anybody here ever struggle with temptation? You want to know what to do? God's Word has the answer. Hardship? Tough circumstances? Anybody have that? God's Word has some some answers for us on how to handle that. It's a light for our path because the days can get dark, right? Our minds can get dark. It can get really confusing. And I'll tell you what, the answer is not to just Google it. You'll come up with all kinds of crazy stuff that'll lead you down all kinds of crazy paths. There might be some good things, but you'll need God's Word to let you know if what you're reading is good or right or true. going to lead you off the edge of a cliff because it's dark and we need to be able to see where we're going. And so, I mean, I would just say just on this point, God's Word is a light into our path, but you're going to have to click it on, so to speak. We need to take time in God's Word. Really practically, we're all at different places in our life. We're all going through different things. We're all in different stages of life. Uh, but find out where you are in life and what, God's ha- what God has to say about it. Maybe you're in the parenting stage. What does God have to say about parenting? Maybe you just got a promotion and work and you become a leader of people. What does God's Word say about leading. Maybe you've just gone through a nasty divorce and you need to find out what God's Word has to say about bitterness. God's Word has those answers. And a lot of times we we end up, uh, I mean, I I know that we sometimes struggle to get in God's Word and I think one of the biggest reasons I hear is because I just don't get it. I don't understand it. Anybody ever feel that way? Yeah. To be honest, your pastor does too sometimes sometimes we just don't get it but I'll tell you this we there's how do you think we will get it if we don't even read it right I mean there's just no way you're going to get it if you don't read it and so some of those things that are cloudy or confusing we do need to study out or, or we need to get help on 
But the first thing we, we should be doing is getting into God's Word. It will help us to know what those next steps in life are, just the day, day-to-day things. How do I treat somebody who's being a jerk to me? God's Word has an answer for that. So as we, we need a guide for life, right? We don't want to just keep throwing out this, take your next step, take your next step, take your next step. And you're like, my next step is to leave my wife. You know, my next step is to rob a bank. My next step is to cheat on my taxes. And save a little money and put it on a down payment for a motorcycle or whatever it is. No, the next step... <laughs> I got a hearty amen back there. <laughs> uh, not that the down payment part would be bad, but you don't want to do that cheating on your taxes. So um, we need to be shrewd when we pay our taxes, wise when we pay our taxes, but not deceptive. Anyway, that's a sidebar conversation. We can talk about that some other time. But, but the reality is, as we make these day-to-day choices, that we would have a guide, and God's Word is a guide for us. And I know we're in church, and that sounds great, but all of us get confused about the stuff in life. I mean, all of us go, how do I handle this situation? And as we do read God's word or get help or ask somebody that we trust to point us, what does God's word say about being an employee? It will begin to give light to our path. It will begin to give us clarity in those dark and confusing Parts of life. So how do we know that God's trust? I'm, I'm, I'm saying run your life by this, right? Amen. Run your life by this. Well, how do you know this is trustworthy? Well, there's, there are quite a different, I mean, Scripture tells us it's trustworthy. Some people won't buy that. They're like, well, of course, it's going to say it's trustworthy. But Scripture itself tells us it's trustworthy. And so I don't want to take a lot of time on this, but just a few thoughts on that. Well, let me just ask, do you believe that this is worthy of running your life by this book? You think it's trustworthy? Because there's a lot of other things out there trying to run your life. TV commercials are trying to run your life. The government may be trying to run your life. Your spouse may be trying to run your life. We've got some of that going on right up here in the front row. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> uh, but just teasing. Um, but, but the reality is there's some, something or somebody trying to run our lives. And God wants to run our life, and the way he says he wants to do that is through his word. And we talk about taking next step, making decisions, right actions, the choices, the day-to-day, small choices. We need to know God's word but we also need to be really willing to do it because you're going to have to obey it, right? And it's pretty hard to obey something if you're not really bought into it, really buy into it. So how do we know we can trust this? Because there's a lot of people out there that would say it's a bunch of hogwash. It's a bunch of fairy tales all rolled into one big book. Well, God's Word really, it, and we talk about the Bible as a book, but it really is, it's, it's a library of books put together, 66 books put together, written by over 40 different authors, three different languages. I can't remember how many different continents. But, I don't know why I just lost that. 
But it does have one cohesive storyline. So just the unity of the Bible is one of the reasons we know that we can trust it. It was written over a period of, I think, 1,500 years by all these different authors. And yet it's cohesive and it's woven together and it fits. I mean, try and get any 40 authors to write different parts and put something together and have them fit, much less over a 1,500-year span of time. And from three different languages, that's not going to happen. So that's one of the ways we can trust is because it's, it's unified. It's woven together. Also, you could go into the fact of uh, if you just took this one other slice of the pie and you talk about the fact that there have been how many um, prophecies have actually been fulfilled, it's a selling point for the, the trustworthiness of God's word. So before Christ was born, 400 years before Christ was born, there were, uh, I think it was like over 300 different prophecies specifically about his birth. And those 300 prophecies were fulfilled and were documented. And, and, and so whether it was where he was born or uh, where he was going to travel to shortly after his birth, all those things were prophesied. They were written before, and those prophecies were fulfilled. And, and I have some numbers somewhere. I can't remember what the odds of that happening are. Uh, I've heard that it's something to the effect of if you were standing in t Texas with silver dollars two feet deep, the, the odds of that being able to happen are that you would grab one silver dollar out of that whole mess with just one a mark on it. I don't know if that's really mathematically sound, but it clicks with me. But we do know that the reality is <clears throat> those are, there's something supernatural happening there. I think out of 2,500 uh, 2, different prophecies in Scripture, over 2,000 of them have already been fulfilled. And I do have a number for that. The, the odds of that are 10 to the 20,000th power. That's 10 times 10 times 10 times 10 times 10, 20,000 times. I didn't do the math on that, so I can't, I'm not going to stand really solidly behind that. But I do know that in order for 2,000 so far of 2,500 prophecies to be fulfilled, there's something supernatural going on. And, and you can go to textual, textual accuracy. God's word, the, the, the word they use for being copied over generations is called transmission. And so it's been copied and handed down and copied and handed, handed down and copied and handed down. And people say, well, there's no way that that could be accurate. But then they find Dead Sea Scrolls in the 40s that line up with things that they had found and dated way, way earlier and yet accurate. We have over 5,000 entire full manuscripts of the New Testament. They have over 5,000 full manuscripts of the New Testament. And they jive. There's little nuances that might be different in, in some of the you know, prepositions here or things, but consistently. That's not even including a, a partial manuscript. That's entire New Testament manuscripts, over 5,000. 
I think they have, so that 5,000, I think they have less than 700 of Homer's Iliad. But yet you don't have people arguing about, well, we don't know if that's exactly how we, the original guy wrote it. You know, we're not sure about that. Not, not 100% sure. And, and even Aristotle, who's much later, they have just a handful of any of his one works. But we don't question those things. And so God's word is trustworthy, right? You know what else they, they call God's word? The anvil that has worn out many hammers. I love that phrase. Because all for, for generations, people have been trying to prove God's word wrong. For generations, they've been trying to point out where it contradicts itself. And it continues today. But they have not been able to snuff out God's word at all. Not at all. Archaeology, you could look at archaeology and and, and you're like, I thought this was a sermon. Get back to the Bible. I want to make sure that we understand that we can trust this thing, right? If I'm asking you to make your life decisions based on it, you should know whether it's trustworthy or not. And again, we could have somebody up here and they would want to debate and argue every one of these points. But I'll say this, it's continued and whether it's archaeology that continues to show support for the... the, um, validity of the things written in God's word or whether it's textual arguments or whether it's prophecy that's been fulfilled it continues to show that there's something supernatural about this book and I I believe the biggest selling point on the trustworthiness of God's word is the difference that it's made in thousands of people's lives over thousands of years of time Transformed. Many of our lives in here have been transformed because of the truth found in God's Word. And so it's worthy of us making our decisions based on what it says, right? So God's Word is trustworthy, if you didn't get that point. I, I get excited about that stuff, and maybe it's because, you know what? I, I'm so sold out on this thing. I teach it to you guys every, every week. I study it for hours. I don't want to be selling you guys a bill of goods. I want to make sure that I'm giving you something trustworthy. Be like a doctor giving you medicine he's not too sure about. I don't want to be that guy. If I'm basing my own life on it, I want to make sure that it's right. My daughter's life on it, I want to make sure it's right. This is right. And it's a light for our path. And we need a light. There's not a lot of lights out there right now. We need a light. This is a light. Now we're going to go a little negative here. Your next step may need to be a turnaround step. God's word says, I thought about my ways in Psalm 119, 59 and 60. I thought about my ways and I turned my feet to your testimonies. I made haste, did not delay to keep your commandments. What is this a word for? What, what word would we use to describe this? What's repentance. That's repentance right there. We know that old, it's kind of, it's a biblical word. We think of it maybe as a baptist word, right? Repent. It has the idea of making a change. 
particularly a change of thinking. And Lord willing, that it would change our behavior. So the reality is that there are probably things in our life that we're not really on track with God's commandments or His testimonies or His ways for us. And we think as we think about God's Word, you may go, oh, boy, there's this one area. You're talking about walking on the path, God's Word, and I know one that I'm not so much on His Word. You know what he says? He says, consider your ways. Think about your ways. That's kind of a change of mind right there, isn't it? I've been thinking this way about marriage and things aren't going so good and it's not what God has to say. So I need to consider my ways. What am I doing? How am I, how am I viewing marriage? How am I viewing my wife? Well, should I think about that and just think about that and think about that and study that and sit on my... No, I need to make haste. Make haste. It's a good saying, isn't it? Kind of old-fashioned-y, but I like it. Let's make haste and turn our feet. That's the repentance part. And get on God's plan for our life. We've talked about our plan, God's plan. Are we on our path or God's path? We talk about God has His path. He will light up the path for us. It may need to be a turnaround step. And that's okay, because when we do things God's way, do things usually, uh, are our our lives blessed? Do we have more peace or less peace? More joy or less joy? Yeah. More life or less life? We have more. When we do things our way, what happens? Life gets crummy, doesn't it? Empty, depressed, insecure, Fearful, full of anxiety, full of bitterness. So if there is some place in your life where you're not doing life God's way, make haste, turn around, turn your feet back to God's ways, run back the other direction. Oh, so walk in according to God's word. Sneak peek for next week. Walk according to the Spirit. Walk according to good works. This is going to be a part two. But let's just kind of, as we, as we begin to wrap up here before David leads us in communion. This book is not outdated. This book is, uh, is an authority on all things in our life. It's, it can be hard to dig into. It can be like m- going and trying to mine for precious stones or uh, precious metals. It can feel like hard work, but the payoff is more than worth it. If you're not getting in God's Word regularly and you feel like things are cloudy or things are confusing or you're not really sure I would encourage you to get in God's Word, and I promise you this. There are going to be some things that are confusing in here. It's, you're not going to make complete sense. But I also promise you this, as you continue to read it, as you continue to pray, that God will illuminate His Word to you.
says that his word does not return void. And so as we think even about the steps that we need to take this week and the decisions that we make, whether it's small or big, a lot of them we already know if they line up with the Bible or not, right? Do I have to wonder, does saying bad words when I'm angry, what does God's word say? Anybody got a clue? Should I or shouldn't I? No, I shouldn't. Thank you, Tina. So the things that you know, which that's a sneak peek too, that's part of walking in the Spirit. Do the things, the truth, live according to the truth that you know. Live according to the truth that you already know. That's one thing. But if there's some things you're, you're struggling or, or wondering or you need clarity and you need light to take some next steps, whether it's for parenting or putting your money away or resolving a conflict or whatever it is, get into God's Word. Find out what it says. If you're hung up and you're stuck and you don't even know where to start, ask me. Ask Ned. Ask David. You could ask, uh, you could just, ask just about anybody, and if they don't have the answers, they'll point you to the right person in here. We'll be able to find some ways to, to help each other out. We're not supposed to be walking alone either, are we? No, we walk as a group. I'm going to pray one more time before uh, ask David to come up and lead us in communion. And if you would, just join with me. And again, if, if there's something in your own heart, in your own mind that you know that you need to take care of or turn back towards God's way, know that He loves you, He'll bless you. He, he's, his desire is to make your life good. I'm not saying it's going to be always easy, but to make your life good. And if you would just take some time even now to maybe have a conversation with God about those things, this would be a good time to do that. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your son. We do thank you that you give us uh, the truth about him in your word. We thank you that you give us your word for guidance, for getting us back on track. Thank you for giving us your word that gives us encouragement, that gives us hope. Father, help us to be people that live by your book. Help us to be people that trust you and that we trust your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the chance to participate in communion together to remember what he's done for us. And I pray that you'd bless each person here this week. Father, the ones who couldn't be here, pray that you'd encourage them, bless them as well. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.